Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I'm, I'm involved in the leadership of Spring Harvest now, and so I was invited to go out um, uh, with a joint trip with Spring Harvest and Compassion to Uganda to look at some projects there. And there I met Damilola, who became a good friend, and uh, I've invited her to come, and she has come uh, on the train all the way up from London. So would you put your hands together and give a massive welcome to Damilola McKendi? <laughs> So, Damila, just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, a little bit about you. With pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're Good welcome. evening, Life Central. Woo! Let's try that one more time. Good evening, Life Central. It's a joy to be with you. Any church that has an ice cream truck outside yeah. is one that I feel <laughs> at home in. Um, love to tell you a little bit about me. And also in doing this, I'm giving you some context on me, but I'm also sparing you from the agonizing question over the rest of tonight, which is, where is her accent from? So I'm just going to give that to you right now. So my background is I was born in London to fabulously Nigerian parents. Any Nigerians in the house? Yeah, oh, they're not out tonight. Shout we out have to got you. Shout yeah, out to quite you. Ones you, at the There's back. always one. There's <laughs> yeah. always one. Um, fabulously Nigerian parents, born in London, raised in Ireland. So raised in the Republic of Ireland, went to school there, went to uni there. After that, I moved to Northern Ireland and did an internship with a certain organization that you're going to hear a bit more about um, over the course of things. And I lived in Northern Ireland for three years, moved back to London a few years ago. So there's a bit of zigzagging yeah. going on. My parents are church pastors. Um, I was raised in the faith and yeah have known the lord from when i was a wee one so yes right fantastic so that does explain the accent then because you've been around a lot of different places there i with have that. indeed excellent so tell us what you're doing now you're in london what, what, what are you, what's your kind of world look like in London? What are you involved Absolutely. with? Absolutely. Um, so I have two roles. I work at my church in King's Cross called very imaginatively King's Cross Cross Church, Church. Um, (laughs) and I work for the Evangelical Alliance, and that's the capacity I'm here tonight in. Um, So there are three strands to the Evangelical Alliance's work. There is mission. We unite around the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we share a passion like you guys share a passion for everyone, man, boy, girl, child in this nation to hear the good news that Jesus Christ is alive and that he saves. He was saving then, and he's saving now. So we have mission as our central aim. Um, Alongside mission, we have unity. We long for evangelical churches across the United Kingdom to come together. Jesus prays for his church before he leaves the world that they may be one, and we have made that prayer our life's work. But crucially, that unity is around the gospel. So there's no point in just coming together and having tea and coffee and smiles around nothing. This is around the centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, advocacy. And that's where I sit. So in our advocacy team, we believe that the proclamation of the gospel is absolutely for moments like this when we gather in here, absolutely for Sunday gatherings, and absolutely to be proclaimed in the shopping center, and absolutely to be proclaimed in houses of parliament across these, these nations, across England, across Wales, across Northern Ireland, across Scotland. And so we have staff who are stationed in each of these places who are engaging with public representatives around an evangelical Christian 
contribution to public life. My role within that team is a bit different. The rest of my colleagues do some amazing, amazing work engaging directly with public representatives. My work in our team is to engage with the church and to make sure that we are not proclaiming one thing out in the public sphere and not living it out in local context. So what does it look like for us to proclaim the gospel indeed where we are and to hold on to the gospel where it might hurt the most in our present day society? So that's a little bit about me and the Evangelical Alliance. Great. So a lot of these people might not know that we as a church are a partner or a member of the Evangelical Alliance, which is great. But actually yes, individuals you. becoming members, what does that do to the power of the word that we've got and of the message that we've got in that public space when more people become individual members what does that do absolutely well just want to say a massive thank you for being members of the evangelical alliance you enable what we do um, and yes the evangelical alliance has a staff team but it is not a staff team it is an alliance of evangelical christians across the united kingdom and you are part of that so thank you for being part of that and there are a number of ways of being part of that crucially something that we have been pushing in the past while is individual membership so what that looks like is three pounds a month given to the work of the Evangelical Alliance. You get a number of resources from us as we seek to equip the church where she is to be who Jesus has called her to be. But what that translates to for us, crucially in our work with public representatives, it all lies on our representative ability. So how many people are we representing? That's what gets us in the door. And by yeah. the grace of God, we have an established track record with public representatives. They know that they cannot easily dismiss us we represent en masse about 2 million evangelical Christians wow. in the United Kingdom. But at the moment, we have about 5,000 individual members. And it's pointing to those individual members that really makes them have to stand up and take notice that these are their constituents. These are not just some crazy yeah. fundamentalists in the corner. These are people that they have said that they are mandated to serve, that they are willing to serve. What does it look like for them to have a bit more literacy around evangelical faith and to take care of their evangelical? constituents. So crucially, becoming an individual member of the Evangelical Alliance boosts our public voice Correct. and boosts our public witness. So I'd love to invite you to consider that tonight. If you're not yet an individual member, join our ranks and let's together make Jesus known in every sphere of life yeah. in this nation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Great. So people can do that. And you said not just crazy. We have a few crazies in here. Is that all right? I mean, we're past well, exactly I'm, you're looking I'm, at me I'm, yeah, I'm, I know that right. so, so they could come and chat to you afterwards with pleasure i'm going to be out by a table in the foyer after Great. and i would love to connect with you so please do come and also if you are able to or if you'd like to i have more information on membership would love to share Great. that with you thank you damn i'd love to pray for you please do we're so grateful that you've come up and you're going to stay overnight and you're going to speak to our staff and phase staff in the morning yes. as well which is Sorry. great so, we, so, so let me pray and then and then we just kind of let you loose and do what you god has given you to do father we want to thank you for the work of the church across our globe we want to thank you for the work of the evangelical alliance jesus and we want to thank you for damalola and all that she is and jesus i just want to thank you for the blessing that she's been in my life in the three or four months that i've known her god i want to pray right now that you'll give us such a sense of freedom a sense of being at home a sense of being with family and that god that whatever you put in her heart for us God, we will be eager and lean in to receive all that you have through her. Bless her, we pray. As she refreshes us, would she also be refreshed? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's Amen. give it up again for Damalola.
Can I get that bottle of water, please? And thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this evening, people of God, we're going to spend some time in the scriptures. And tonight we're going to be looking at what it is to host the Holy Spirit in our bodies. We're looking at what it is to host the Spirit of God in our bodies. Now, this is a little bit of a niche thing to look at. Um, and yet it's not, because at the Evangelical Alliance, and just as people alive today, we have identified that one of the most contested issues in our public life, in the life of our nation, is what it is to be a human being. That some of our deepest conflicts um, on a national level and on a local level are around what it is to be a human being. We don't have time to explore the breadth of that this evening, but part of what it is to be a human being is to be an embodied being. And so we're going to spend some time this evening looking at what it is that God has made us beings in a body and what it might look like to give due honor to God as beings in a body. I grew up in the Christian faith, shout out to my mom and dad, and I'm very grateful for that. But there are aspects of my upbringing in the faith that were centered around a negation of the body, a negation of the body. And that's contrasted by a society predominantly around me today and around you today that seeks to worship the body. And yet between those things, negating the body, worshiping the body, believe the way of Jesus has another way for us, and it is to worship God by honoring our body. So we're going to be exploring what it is to honor the body and through the body to host the presence of the living God, to host the Holy Spirit. Our passage for that this evening will be 1 Corinthians chapter 6, going to be reading from verse 9 to verse 20. It is a reasonably lengthy chunk of scripture, so I invite you to pay attention in whatever way best works for you. If you want to follow along with the Bible on your phone, if you just want to sit in and listen to me as I read, but please do pay attention to these words. And I worship at an Anglican church. We have a tradition. And after the reading of the word of the Lord, the reader says, this is the word of the Lord. The congregation responds. Wonderful. I'd love if we could do that together this evening. So let's run that through one more time. This is the word of the Lord. I will say that when I finish reading the passage and now you know what to do. Let's get into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 9 to verse 20. Life central, here and at home. Hear these words from God's word. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. 
You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body which is part of Christ and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body like this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. One more time, Life Central. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. This is the word of the Lord. Let's share together in a word of prayer. We are hungry. We are hungry. We are hungry for more of you. Jesus, that is our prayer as we meet together in this moment. 
Lord, we are hungry for you. That's why we are here. We could be in many different places right now, but we are here because we desire you. And yet, Lord, amidst our present desire for you, we long to desire you more. So, Lord, would you feed us in a way that only you can as we gather under the authority of your word in this time. Spirit of the living God, in collaboration with human authors, you wrote this book. So would you come and lead and guide us into it in the way that only you can. Would the fruit of our time together be lives that are further transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, I don't know what you were doing on the 21st of October 2019, but you're about to find out what I was doing on the 21st of October 2019. You see, what I was doing on that date was that I was interning the church I currently work at. I was interning at KXC. I was an evangelism apprentice. So it's a Monday. I'm out doing my evangelism apprentice thing with my line manager. And in the midst of that day, I got a phone call from my daddy and I pick up the phone call from my daddy. By the end of that phone call from my daddy, I have booked the first flight home to Ireland for the next morning. Why is that? Well, for the particularly empathetic amongst you, you can calm down. There was no family emergency, but there was something of significant consequence going down, and this was it. You see, my daddy told me that in the next day, we were about to host the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God. And I said to myself, there's no way I'm going to be in London for that. Now, I can just about make out in this room some really beautiful faces, but they are also blank. So let me tell you a little bit or two about the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God. The Redeemed Christian Church of God is a Nigerian-started Pentecostal church. It has now gone around the world and is, is represented in nearly every single territory on the face of the earth. It started out in the last century by a humble preacher, and under the present general overseer, it has grown exponentially. And I grew up in this church. My parents are pastors in this church. So I have grown up going to gatherings that have been held somewhat annually or biannually when the general overseer has come to territories to seek moves of God in the different nations that RCCG has a presence in. So I've grown up in London. The festival of life that RCCG hosts can have up to 40,000 people in attendance overnight to pray. In Lagos, Nigeria, between the two major cities of Lagos and Abaddon, the RCCG has a territory. And in that territory, every month, upwards of a million people gather each first Friday of the month to seek God's face and to pray. So the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God is kind of a big deal. And he was coming to my house in just over 24 hours. For those of you for whom the penny has not yet dropped, let me try this one more time. People of God, the Pope was coming to my house. The 
hope. And I said to my daddy, daddy, you know I'm out here doing this Christian internship in the city of London. Your favorite daughter would love to be at home tomorrow, but she doesn't quite have the means to get there. And my daddy says, you know what? Let's make this a family affair. So by the end of that phone call, I had my flight booked and I was set to be in my home the next day to experience this moment in time, this highly, highly exceptional occurrence of the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God coming to my house. So how did the next few hours go? I'll tell you how they went. I go home at the end of the day. I pack my bags. I get as much stuff together as I can. I get as much sleep as I can in the circumstances. I am up at the crack of dawn to make my way over to Stansted Airport. I do the airport rigmarole and a number of hours later I am at the threshold of my home in Navan in Ireland. And I get to the front door, I turn the knob, I walk into the front door and I see a scene of frenzy like I have seldom seen in my life. Everyone in my house is moving in a number of different directions trying to get this house ready. Cupboards that haven't seen the light of day for years are being cleaned inside and out. And why is that? Because the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God is coming to our home imminently and so we are cracking up we are doing everything that we need to do to get this house just right I'm looking out of windows trying to spy the moment when they approach and then we get the phone call we get the critical phone call which says to my daddy that the convoy and you best believe it's a convoy the convoy is 10 minutes away 10 minutes away so the Avengers assemble we each go to our duty post and we await the key moment and we wait, and we wait, and then he arrives. The general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God pulls up to our neighborhood, and then he pulls up to our street, and then he pulls up to our front door, and in moments, he is in our house. And as he comes in, we basically offer him everything that we have, including our very lives. He settles on a cup of tea, and so we get that going. I've never concentrated so much on the boiling of water in a kettle, but it happens, and we serve him this tea, and we have a few moments of fellowship together. He brings a few books for us his gifts he prays for us and then he is gone I do want to guess how long this visit lasted this is upwards of 24 hours of disruption do you want to guess how long this visit lasted anyone brave enough to guess 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Thank you for being generous. This, this visit lasted an approximate 12 minutes. 12 minute trip, 24 hours plus of disruption for a 12 minute trip. And I wonder how that makes you feel. I'll tell you how that made me feel. In the moment when it was all done, it was such a surreal feeling. And I thought to myself, wow, it's all over. It's over, just, just like that. And I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it have been nice if he stayed a little bit, just a little bit longer? And then I sat with that thought for a few minutes and I realized it was the kindness of God that he didn't stay any longer. And I'll tell you why. You see, there's only so long you can put your best foot forward for a very, very eminent guest. After a while, some cracks are gonna start to show. After a while, someone is gonna be irritated with somebody else. After a while, there's gonna be some skid marks in the toilet. And so it was the kindness of God 
that as much of a privilege as it was to host him, it was the kindness of God that it was a brief visit and he left. What is the relevance of this story to our time tonight, you are asking? I'll let you know. You see, as we come to consider this passage this evening, we are considering something of much greater consequence than the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God coming to my home. I know it's hard to imagine, but it is indeed true. Because tonight, we consider what it is for the Spirit of God, God's life-giving presence, the same power that raised Jesus, our Christ, from the dead to be inside of us. And yet when we consider the Spirit inside of us, He doesn't just come to visit us. You see, this is how God dealt with humanity and his chosen people over generations. He would come to them in moments of visitation. They would mark them. They would be ecstatic experiences and they would end. But for you and I in Christ Jesus, the spirit doesn't come to visit. The spirit comes to stay. And that is an incredible privilege. That is a privilege of gargantuan proportions. But in a similar way to which there was incredible privilege and joy in hosting the Holy Spirit, there was also significant discomfort. And in a similar way to that, there is incredible joy when the Spirit is inside of us doing what he does, which is leading our very being into a worthy proclamation of the Lordship of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. It leads to freedom. It leads to life. It leads to hope. It is extraordinary. But you best believe it is something of significant discomfort also. Because you see, when the Spirit comes to stay, yes, he's happy to be invited in the front room, and he's happy to see Grandma's finest china, and he's happy to go through the family album. He's happy to embrace all of that. But he is not content, our Spirit of God, he's not content to stay in the neatly presented sitting room. You see, he roams around. He desires greater and greater access to the entire house, even on a passage like this one, even that intimate space of the bedroom the spirit is not content to just be pegged in in one location he is seeking access to all areas and that is because the spirit of God has an agenda in your life and he has an agenda in my life and the name of that agenda is Jesus the work of the spirit inside of us is to bring the life of Jesus to bear within us. He comes and he leads us into the knowledge of the love of the father. And what the love of the father does in us is it transforms us from the inside out. That is the mission of the spirit. And so if you're here tonight and you know Jesus... And I know that that is the vast majority of us. This is your reality. You host the spirit. I host the spirit. But to host him well, we need to be those who give him access as he progressively seeks it across the various areas of our lives. We need to be those who say yes to the spirit. But crucially, saying yes to the spirit also involves saying no to other things. 
And so we're going to explore some of that as we continue on. Now, I'd like to introduce to you at this point these three words, and I'm going to draw distinctions between them. These three words are body, flesh, and spirit. Can we try that together? Body, flesh, spirit. Number one, the body. The body, my body, your body, is given to us as a gift from God. And our bodies are number one essential to our being. They are the site of our being in the world. God has designed us in this way to be embodied creatures. Number two, our bodies are sites of worship. You see, everybody worships. Everybody is a temple. The crucial thing is which God is your temple serving? The God of the Bible gave us our bodies, made them to be sites of worship to him. And finally, the body is a site of enjoyment. God makes us for his pleasure and he also gives us ourselves for our pleasure. And in the garden of God's delight, in the garden of God's original intention, there was perfect unity between all of these things, all of these aspects of our being. So let me illustrate this. The body has appetites. And these appetites are essential to its functioning. So for example, I desire food, I desire water. Those are not just random things. I have been designed by God to desire those things. They enable me to be the being that he has designed me to be, that works together. The body has a number of other appetites. The body has an appetite for sex. And unlike the way that our culture would sell this to us, no, it's not essential to have sex, to be fully alive as a human being but it is essential to have sex to propagate the human species so we have these desires and they are given to us by God and they are essential to our being in the world to the continuation of the human species and yet in God giving us these desires it's not in a vacuum it's in a context and that context is relationship with him so God gives us our bodies, they have these appetites, but the desires are all meant to move in one direction, and that direction is worship. And in the genius of God's original design, there is perfect union between us doing what satisfies our bodily desires and us worshiping the living God. I'd love to invite you to go back and read Genesis 1 and 2 with this lens. God makes us and he sets us in the garden and he says, be fruitful and multiply. He says, I have given you of all of this creation for you to enjoy, for you to feast on. And in that space, there was perfect harmony between how we felt and honoring the living God. So it was intuitive. We could just rely on our intuition and be perfectly aligned with the living God in the garden of his intent. And this brought us supreme joy. 
We were perfectly at one with God. We were perfectly at one with ourselves. But the story doesn't finish in Genesis 1 and 2. And something significant happens in chapter 3. And this is where we have the advent of the flesh. Or as my Bible translation, the NLT puts it, the sinful nature. And in the fall of humanity, in our turn in rebellion against God, we are now inhabited by this other force. So the body is good. It is affirmed by God. It is key to his design. But there is also this other force, the flesh, not to be confused with the body. I'm speaking in theological terms now and giving their theological definitions. The flesh is this force that is turned away from God. It has as its aim the negation of everything that God says is good. And now because we are inhabited by the flesh, we have this sinful force resident within us. We now can no longer just do that which seems right to us. We now can no longer just follow our appetites and trust that we will end up in the right place. Because no, the flesh seeks to move us further and further away from God. Where in the first place our desires were oriented towards God they are now turned in on themselves and when you turn to Christ Jesus rather than be invited into a life of plain sailing you are invited into a fight in the language of Galatians chapter 5, the spirit that comes inside of you wants things that are contrary to the flesh that is still inside you. The flesh inside you wants things that are contrary to the spirit. And these two forces are constantly opposed to each other. So if you're here as a Christian and parts of the Christian faith, parts of the Christian walk, you've been able to give your mental assent to them in a moment like this, but you found them incredibly difficult to live out in reality. Welcome to the club. You see, this, the being that is dead to God, that is not inhabited by the Holy Spirit, does not experience that tension. That is what it is in truth to be spiritually dead. You are just dominated by your sinful nature and its sinful wants. And it takes the good things that God has given and it distorts it for its own purposes. And that is normal. So the next time you're sharing the gospel with someone and it just doesn't seem to click, that's what's going on. There is another force at work that seeks to blind people from the knowledge of God. And yet the joy of having the spirit on the inside of us is that he comes to show us that which is truly life. That where we have made our home in distortions of the life of God, the spirit comes so that our appetites, our desires are reordered. He does some plumbing, re-plumbing on the inside of us to turn us back heavenward to turn us towards Jesus this is a fight and so because we are involved in a fight we need power someone say power we need power. We don't need good intentions. We don't need good ideas. We need the power of the living God. Now we are coming into our landing time. We've not got lots of time for this. So I'm going to really need you to sit tight with me. And apologies if this is a little bit rapid fire. Please do feel free to go and watch back if it's available later. 
In Luke chapter 3 and Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus, the Son of God, navigate something of this dynamic and lead us into the fullness of life. Now, Jesus isn't inhabited by a sinful nature in the way that you and I are. And yet we do know when he prays to the Father before his crucifixion, not my will be done, but yours, that there is this thing in him that is able to will something different to what his Father wills. So we need to come and see how Jesus is able to exercise dominance over that thing inside of him that is so intuitive, that feels like him, that sounds like him, but according to God's revelation of his will for him is not him, is not what God wants for him. How does Jesus overcome that? Well, we see in Luke chapter 3 and 4 the makings of Jesus being able to go to the cross in that ultimate act of self-denial. So let me take you quickly to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 in verse 21. The Lord Jesus is baptized by his cousin John. And he comes up out of the water, out of his baptism, and he hears these words. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit and bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. That is the starting point of the Spirit's work. It was his starting point with Jesus. It's his starting point with us. Before Jesus heals a single person, before he casts out a single demon, before he turns water into wine, he hears the full affirmation of his Father. And for you and I who are here tonight in Christ, that is the sound that is ringing over our lives amidst our different struggles, amidst our different failures. God says he sees us and he sees Jesus, that we are his sons, we are his daughters in whom he is well pleased. And after this critical moment, we get to Luke chapter 4 and hear these words from verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So Jesus, in this passage, is full of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to reside in him. Luke 4 verse 1, Jesus is full of the presence of the Spirit. Luke 4 verse 14... Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a translation here between presence and power. There is something that happens in the intervening 12 verses that takes presence to power. And what that is, is that Jesus in the wilderness is restraining his bodily appetites in the practice of fasting and in that place though he is exceptionally physically weak he is also exceptionally spiritually strong the lord jesus 
the living word, the son of God, in this wilderness denies his bodily appetites, his good God-given bodily appetites because he knows that there is something more at stake in his life than just doing what he wants and just doing what seems right to him. He knows that there is a commission on his life to be one who brings life to the world. And in order to do that, he needs to go toe-to-toe with every single thing inside of him that might speak a contrary word to what God is speaking over him to the assignment that God has on his life and it costs him he feels the pain of hunger day in day out but to that pain Jesus says there is something greater there is something greater than physical bread there is something greater than physical water it is to be filled not just with the presence but with the power of the spirit and in this moment Jesus shows you and I what we need to do to survive in this day and in this time for us to honor the high calling of God to us in Christ Jesus, for us to be those who don't just pay lip service to the Christian faith in gatherings, but who actually live this stuff out where it matters. We need to be those who deny the flesh in honor of the spirit. We need to be those who honor the body, not just as a site of self-gratification, but as a site of God glorification. Your body, my body, is a gift from God. It is essential to our being. In God's wisdom, he has made us like this. We have many different stories of how we relate with our bodies. There might be a lot of shame and trauma attached to our bodies for many of us. And yet, if that's part of your story, as it is for many of us, Know that the Lord delights in your body. You might find it hard to stomach the look of yourself in the mirror at times, but God says over your body, over your appearance, over your reflection, mine. I delight in what I have made. God delights in how he has made you and he also delights in how he is remaking you in Christ Jesus. But crucial to this work in you and in me is our participation. Are we going to be those who in truth host the spirit by giving him progressive measures of access to all of who we are? Not just the bits that we are happy for him to see, but the bits that we are most ashamed for him to see. The bits that we would find most hard to vocalize to another person. The Lord says, I'm very happy to see your neat presentation, but I'm going for that which you've tucked under the bed. I'm going for that which you have shoved behind the sofa. I'm coming not just for the presentation of you, I'm coming for the real you, that you might know the real me, and that you might be as I have intended you for it to be like my son. And so Life Central, I believe this is part of the invitation of the Spirit to you in this moment. He comes and he brings with him the knowledge of the love of the Father. The Father's acceptance. The Father's embrace. He says, come to me that I might show you, you like you could never have dreamed of. 
you that is at home in my love, you that longs for the things that I long for, you that loves what I love and hates what I hate. Crucially for us to say yes to the spirit is for us to say no to the flesh. And so I would love you in the quietness of this moment first to stay seated and just to ask the spirit, spirit of the living God, what is your invitation to me in this moment? Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you have been speaking to us through the scriptures. And we invite you now to speak to us in the quietness of our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, would you search us? Would you point out anything in us that offends you? Lord, would you lead us in the way of life everlasting? Lord, we long to be those who worship in spirit and in truth, not in falsehood and pretense. Spirit, would you come and lead and guide us into all truth? I'm going to lead a moment of prayer shortly for particular groups of people. I believe the Lord is meeting with all of us. And so if there are particular things the Lord has highlighted to you in this moment, please do hold on to them. Please do explore them with him and with other trusted people outside of this moment. I believe God is doing something here for all of us, but also want to highlight two or three groups of people I believe the Lord wants to minister to in particular. But before that, I wonder if we could join together in that song I sang at the start. Because crucially, we need the Lord to rewire our appetites, to make us long for him above all else. Mm. We are hungry. We are hungry, we are hungry for more of you, thirsty, we are thirsty, oh Jesus, we are thirsty for Oh, Jesus. 
that you would satisfy us in the way that only you can that you would help us not be those who waste the gift of our bodies on lesser gods on things that do not truly satisfy that instead we would feast on Jesus that we would love each bite of the bread of life, that we would not be those who live on human natural bread alone, but we would be those who feast on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, that we would honor and treasure your scriptures in a fresh way, that we would be those who thirst for the things of the spirit, that we would be those who drink from the fountain of life, Lord, would you make that so? Now I'd love us all to stand. And there's two categories of people to begin with I'd love to call out and to invite for ministry. The first is if you're here and you know that part of your story, part of your journey has been significant shame or trauma around your body, either because of something that has happened in the past or because of your comparison of yourself with others, there's something that has made your relationship with your body particularly difficult. I believe the Lord is coming in this moment and he's seeking to put a spotlight on that not to expose you, but to cover you in his love and his vision for you. And so that if that is you, I'd love you in a moment to do what I know is a brave thing, but to come to the front and to taste afresh the love of Jesus and to receive his eyes for who you are. That's number one. Number two, if you're here, as I said, this is a particular struggle, that struggle between the flesh and the spirit. You're not an anomaly if you know that struggle, that's basic Christian life. But if you know in this moment that there is something in particular that you've longed to be free from and you've just not been able to experience freedom in it, there absolutely is power in us individually praying about things, but there is also a particular power that is released when we come into the light and we have our brothers and sisters stand by us amidst these things. Believe the word of the Lord has come because he's seeking to bring significant breakthrough in certain areas for certain people. So if that's you and you're here, would love to invite you to come to the front. And finally, this is just a bit more of a general one, but if in truth you know that that song is expressing a deep heart cry of yours, and you'd long to meet with the Lord tonight. The Lord is here to meet with you. So if you are in any of those categories, I'd love to invite you to come to the front to receive prayer.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Keep coming. You're not alone. You are not alone. This is a good place to be. Jesus is here. The liberating power of Jesus is here. The transforming power of Jesus is here. Jesus beckons you forward. He says, come to me. Come to me. If you're tired of working this out in your own strength, come to me. If you need new vision for your life, come to me. Let's keep coming. There's some more space. If you're coming, and I'd love to invite you to push towards the center just so we can make more space for people as they come to the front. Amen. Now it's time to pray. So if you are in the approved prayer group in this family, we'd love to invite you to come forth and pray. If you're not part of the prayer group, I'd still love to invite you to pray. Pray one for yourself that the reality of the spirit might know greater expression inside of you. And please do pray for our brothers and sisters here that they would meet the Lord in the place of their need. They would meet him in the place of their desire. Come Holy Spirit. You are welcome here.